0: Welcome to a Real View Q&A podcast. The topic for this session is going to be about cleansing ourselves before we take the Lord's Supper.
1: A Real View is brought to you by Parasea, a ministry devoted to boldly sharing the gospel of God's grace, freely offered to us through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Visit PariseumMinistries.com for teachings and testimonies, as well as information on how you can order Trisha Gunn's highly acclaimed book, Unveiling Jesus, a verse-by-verse foundation of the message of grace. This show is made possible by the generous financial support of people like you who love this message of grace. Your tax-deductible gift to Pariseum is greatly appreciated. I really, I really enjoy this topic because I think it really goes to the heart of what religion has told you versus what... What does the word say? What did Jesus say? And maybe how those, we can uh, line those up. to Yeah. So read the questions. That the, we've uh, got. the questions that we've gotten are, do we need to cleanse ourselves by taking before taking the Lord's Supper? And what does it mean to take communion in an, quote, unworthy manner? Yes. And that's a quote
0: from a scripture, which we will get to. Um, this is really something that Actually, I, as a leader, have taken part in as far as like, you know, preparing people to take the Lord's Supper, you know. But I remember years ago, uh, a particular leader, uh, whenever he would lead people in doing the Lord's Supper, or often, not every time, but he would have uh, everybody go through this exercise of cleansing themselves from head to toe before they could take the Lord's Supper, um, and ask God to forgive of sins and so forth. There's a lot of confession of sins, but you would start at your head and ask God to cleanse you of your thoughts and then go to your mouth and the words that you'd spoken and then you go to the ears and the filth that you had heard and your heart and, at, you know, the evil that's in your heart and then your hands for the wrong things you've done and so on, down the body to the feet, you know, the places that you've been that you shouldn't have been. And um, so we had to do that. We had to go through uh, exercises like that. And, and, you know, I'm guilty. I would ask people, you know, before you take communion, let's, you know, pray, like, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my uh, anxieties. See if there's any wicked way, any sins in me. You know, would you show them to me right now so that I could get rid of them before I take communion? And um, another uh, prayer that we would lead people in was actually a prayer of David's that he prayed after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And uh, then he had her husband killed, if you know the story. So he's under a lot of guilt, and he says, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And this is from Psalm 51. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. And in verse 10, it says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Uh, Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, Now, that's David. That's in the old covenant. He didn't have the Holy Spirit inside. Um, That prayer is a prayer of unbelief for the new covenant believer. And it's certainly not a prayer to pray before you take the Lord's Supper, because if you do, then you're not really understanding what the Lord's Supper is all about to begin with.
1: Yes, it would be like taking a bath before getting while well, you're already clean, honestly. Yeah, yeah exactly. It would be like being perfectly clean, not one germ on you, yeah. but then jumping in the bathtub to see if you can get more clean. More clean.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so... That's that whole idea that you have to cleanse yourself before you approach God. Um, And I totally get why we used to do it, because we thought our sin was a barrier between us and God, which completely frustrates the grace of God because the barrier has already been removed. Um, But let's look at the scriptures. Let's just see uh, some of these scriptures that talk about the Lord's Supper. In Matthew 26, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it. And gave it to his disciples, and said, "Take, eat. This is my body." Then he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, "Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for for many for the remission of sins." And in Luke twenty-two, it's the same account, uh, but there's a little bit more information for us in it. It says he took. Bread gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, he says. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So, when we take the bread of the Lord's supper, we're to remember his body was broken for us, his body was broken that we might have life to give us life. He's called the bread of life. Um, And then we take the cup of the Lord's Supper and it represents his blood, which has washed away our sins and made us righteous. So the cup is for the forgiveness of sins. The bread is, is for your body. Like I said, he's the bread of life. His body was scourged, beaten, bruised, battered, and crushed. So we could have his life in exchange. It's part of the great exchange. So when we take communion, we need to uh, judge ourselves in the light of this finished work.
1: I think this goes back to what we keep saying, but where are your eyes focused? So if I take communion and I'm focused on my inadequacies, my shortcomings, my fallings, then I'm not focused on Jesus. Right. And he clearly says, do this in remembrance of me. Think about mm-hmm. me. Think about my finished work. Think about my body. Yeah. Think about my blood. What." does has that done for you think about me
0: exactly exactly so to get to that passage that talks about whether or not you're taking it in a worthy manner and what that means let's look at first um, corinthians 11 and we'll read a few of the the scriptures there um, starting in verse 23 You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. All right. I want to focus on a particular phrase in there. Paul said he drinks judgment to himself. Mm -hmm. God is not bringing the judgment. He's drinking judgment to himself. And how is he doing it? Not discerning the Lord's body. All right. He drinks and eats in an unworthy manner is not saying that you are unworthy. Okay, the blood has already declared that you are worthy. So it's not talking about the who of it, but the how of it. He who drinks and eats in an unworthy manner is about how the one who is partaking isn't discerning the Lord's body. Now, that word discerning is the Greek word diakrino. And in this context, it means to separate, to make a distinction. So this is talking about not separating out, not making a distinction concerning the body of Jesus. His body broken for us gives life to our mortal bodies. And that's what it says in Romans eight eleven. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So what we need to see When we're taking the Lord's Supper is that his body, again, was beaten, scourged, battered, bruised, crushed for our sins. If we don't, and this is what's so serious about it, if we don't see that great exchange there, then we're going to believe the lies that the enemy speaks. And we're going to, I tell you, we're going to end up battering ourselves, punishing ourselves. Some people even torture themselves, whether it's psychologically or physically. You know, there's a lot of people, you know that. How the Bible says in Hebrews 9, it says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. There are people who are so tormented believing that they are not forgiven for things that they did or some, perhaps, and a lot of this is, is people who have been abused, that things that have happened to them, they bear such a consciousness of guilt over things that happened to them that they literally will torture themselves and shed blood by cutting or, yes. you know, other things that they do to themselves because there's something in this that the that without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins so if you don't see that this body broken and blood shed on the cross for you you're going to do it to yourself in one form or fashion
1: that's that's really i think that for me that was eye opening because i can tell you that in past i truly did before I had a revelation of grace, I not only psychologically beat myself up over my shortcomings, but at times I never cut myself, but Mm -hmm. I would physically hurt myself. Mm -hmm. But I now seeing it's, uh, I just am almost overcome. i not almost, I am overcome by the goodness of the Lord that I didn't realize I was trying to add on to his sacrifice, so to speak, Yeah, that he totally took that for me, so that I didn't have to psychologically, physically, or in any form or fashion beat myself up over it, he was beaten for me. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it's just—it's just
0: so sad um, that this whole thing called the Lord's Supper is supposed to be this remembrance of Him. Yes. Right? I mean, it's not do this in remembrance of your sins. No. Do this in remembrance of me is what he said. But this whole perspective that you're, this terror, these people, people are afraid to take the Lord's Supper, sit in their seats and don't even come forward sometimes because they feel like they're not in a right mind to do it. Instead of realizing that that's going against the very purpose of it, that If you are feeling guilt, if you are feeling shame, if you are feeling heavy
1: because of sin. That's when we need to stand up and say, I'm remembering what Jesus did.
0: Exactly. And that
1: I don't have to feel these things. Yeah. And that he gave me life and life abundant. And I'm healed and whole and forgiven, holy and righteous. Yeah.
0: It's the very time you need to,
1: That's to the time you need run for yes, and go get yes. the
0: Lord's Supper. And remember that his body was broken to give you life, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how you've already beaten your body. Yes. You know, perhaps you've abused your own body through drugs or alcohol or, you know, perhaps, you know, you've committed all sorts of sins with your body, uh, which we know is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But his body was broken for you and for me to give us life. God life. It's life from our spirit. It's, it's He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, First Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 17. In other words, we're one with the Holy Spirit and that spirit raised Jesus from the dead and that spirit lives inside of us and that spirit comes and gives life to our mortal bodies and taking the Lord's Supper should remind us of that truth and really ignite the faith. You know, the faith to, to believe that there's power within us. Yes. That no matter what we've done, God is there to give us life. And you, listen, you win both ways because you're righteous because of his blood and you're healed because of his broken body. So yes. both ways, right? I mean, if right. you sin, you're righteous. If you hurt your body, you're still righteous.
1: Right. Wow. So It should really be what used to be, for me, some type of religious exercise focused on my own shortcomings is now just a remembrance of a resetting of the mind, a refocusing on Jesus. What has he done? And what did he do on the cross? And what is this great exchange? And refocusing on that. And then what is the overflow of that that I live in?
0: Yeah, Exactly. You know, uh, I like to make these comparisons to the old covenant. Mm. And I think that the issues that we have in the way we do Christianity is a lot of times a mixture of the old and the new, right? Yes. And uh, I love Hebrews 10, and it talks about reminder of sins. And it says that... uh, in those old covenant sacrifices is Hebrews 10 verse three. There's a reminder of sins every year for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So there's a remembrance of sins there. That's an old covenant mindset. And that remembrance is either going to say that the payment wasn't enough or the recipient isn't happy. Now, what was the payment, the blood of Jesus, right? So when we drink the cup, we're remembering that the blood has cleansed us, right? So, and you actually, if you're remembering sins, bringing sins to your remembrance, you're insulting Jesus or yes. you're insulting the father because you're either insulting the payment or you're re- insulting the recipient. Yeah. And God has said his son's blood is enough.
1: He's satisfied. He's satisfied. And, and the payment was not only just sufficient, but
0: more than enough,
1: more more and more than enough.
0: And uh, on down in chapter uh, 10 and verse 9, it says,
1: Jesus is saying
0: this. He says, Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. Then he tells us what the will of God is. He takes away the first that he might establish the second. So he takes away the old covenant of law, which brings a reminder of sins. And he brings the new covenant of grace, the new covenant in his blood. That's what Jesus called it. And he says, By that will, we have been sanctified. That means made holy. We have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So I'm telling you, and it goes on to say that that the one sacrifice for sins forever is, is done. And Jesus sat down after that at the right hand of God, which means it's, it's done. done. He's no longer working. The work is complete. And, it, and all those old covenant, it says that the priest would stand ministering daily, offering repeatedly, because those... Those uh, blood sacrifices only worked temporarily, but the blood of Jesus works forever. It goes on down. Listen, this is so awesome. In verse 17, it says, he adds, this is is the Holy Spirit speaking, their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. That's the witness of the Holy Spirit. Their sins. Look, what are we remembering? He says he's not remembering those sins. He says, now where there is a remission or where there is forgiveness of these sins and lawless deeds, there's no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. You do not enter the holiest. Or let's just say once you're in, you're in. Okay, we've entered the holiest. Jesus is the holiest. We've entered the holiest. We're there. And you do not enjoy the holiest. You're, you're, you're standing in the presence of God through the remembrance of sins. You have entered the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Uh, so that whole thing of remembering your sins from your head to your toes is just a, an old covenant mindset. Um, so bottom line is the veil's been torn from top to bottom. John one twenty nine. this was John the Baptist speaking of Jesus. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes, takes away the sins of the world. And like you just said a minute ago, what did Jesus say when he was? It is finished. That's right, on the cross. It is finished. So we're in the presence of God. We can enjoy the presence. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Um, so, you know, the Lord's Supper is a celebration. It's not a somber thing.
1: No, it's a celebration. How exce- this is the good news. Yeah. He became sin so that we could become righteousness. We could become healed whole. This is <laughs> the good news. You know, uh that phrase
0: taking the bread in an unworthy manner, which we just said was the how of it, uh not the what of it. Okay, you're not you're not unworthy. Yes. It's it's are you remembering what this bread means? Yes. And there is a uh, there is an account in the Bible of Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000. You know the story, mm. right? So he, he same thing, exact same verbiage as the Last Supper, where it says that he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it. Okay, those are four verbs. He uses the exact same verbs. I think this is so cool.
1: This is one of my favorite Little nuggets. Nuggets yeah. of the Bible.
0: In Mark uh, 6, when he's doing the, the feeding of the 5,000, it says, he When he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke the loaves and gave it to them. And he set it before the people uh, and the two fish he divided among them all. So he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it. Same four verbs. Now, I love Kenneth Wiest. If, if you've ever discovered him, I've got several uh, commentaries of his and an expanded version of the Bible of his. And he's just, he, I love uh, how he parses out scriptures and, and explains it. He wrote in his commentary on the book of Mark, the following note on Mark 641 uh, on that phrase that he broke the loaves and gave them. He's, this is what he says. The verbs are in different tenses. The former broke is in the aorist. The latter gave is in the imperfect. The the aorist implies instantaneous. The imperfect, continuous. All right, so aorist verb tense. Instantaneous, but not only that, it means it's a one-time action never to be repeated. He broke that bread and he never broke it again. But the act of giving was a continuous act that never stopped. I love this. His body was broken for us once, but the act of giving life is continuous. I also love the fact that the people, he told him to sit down on the green grass. If you go back and look the story up, the word green is used. Life. Green always means life to me. Sitting means resting. And the disciples were just the the, the the conduits. They were just the ones running back and forth. The actual multiplication, the miracle, occurred in Jesus's hands. He broke it once, but the continuous act of the multiplication occurred in his hands. And the disciples would just come and get it, take it to the people, and everyone was fed. Twelve baskets full left over.
1: So I love this because I feel like it's to me, it's one of the most practical applications of a day to day where when I sometimes have to stop, repent, change my mind, and I literally say to myself, am I living in the, am I trying to do something to to cause the breaking of the bread, mm. so to speak, or am I living in the multiplication that's continually happened, knowing that the brokenness has already happened? I can tell you, this is a petty example, but just yesterday I had gotten a new pair of sunglasses not two weeks ago, They were nice sunglasses and I lost them yesterday. And I started, I really came down hard on myself, beating myself up. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have nice things. I can't keep up with nice things. I started beating myself up and I felt the Lord say to me, I was broken so that you don't have to beat yourself up. And I could step back and I said, Okay, Lord, then I live in your, I live in your supply your continual Mm -hmm. supply whether that's supplying new sunglasses or but just every need i live in your provision that it wasn't even up to me to provide my own sunglasses Mm -hmm. or the money for the sunglasses if that so there's so many times i sit in life and go okay am i living in the am i focusing on jesus and am i living in this continual multiplication then I walk in this continual knowing that all of my needs have been met. I'm laying on on the green grass, yeah. which is green grass is going to be healthy grass. That's going to be prosperity. That's going to be – that's where I'm taken care of. It's a time of – if you think of – I think of like a green meadow, enjoyment, rest, peace. Yeah. Am I trying to cause – trying to break – life so to speak on my own terms or am I sitting and resting knowing that he was broken on my behalf and I live in the overflow of it yeah that one-time action never to be repeated Mm -hmm. that is beautiful
0: yes he is the giver of life yes he just gives and gives and it never stops yes our, our position our posture is receiving
1: yes so so when we take communion that's what I literally think of. I'm in a posture of per- receiving. He was broken. And I have life abundant. Thank you, Lord. Amen.
0: And I really do just pray that everyone listening to this, the next time you, t- you receive the Lord's Supper, that you will think about what we've said here. His blood has made you Righteous. And his body broken for you gives you life upon life upon life. And let's celebrate. (laughs) Let's celebrate. Yes. Amen. Thank you for joining us for a Real View Q&A podcast where we answer your questions about God's grace from one singular perspective. We determine to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. This podcast is sponsored by Parasea. If you want to know more about God's amazing grace, go to paraseaministries.com.